Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Libby. This week, the ship is going down and we're going with it. We're talking about Titanic. 1997, James Cameron. First movie to make a billion dollars. Before we get into all of that, how was your week? Um, my week actually went very well, just very quiet. It was quiet. a change in weather here and it got warm, warm. and I got dozy. Yes. As I do in warm weather. And at I, least until it settles into me. I couldn't uh, engage you because I was working and working right. and working and working some more. It's been a lot, you guys, but it's worth it. I'm yes, not complaining. It it's a good problem to have. I've just been working a lot. But I have a vacation planned for the first time in a decade. So that's good. How do you want to do this? How do you want to tackle this movie? It's going to be, I, I feel, similar to Star Wars in that it, the the plot points of this film are so familiar to people because it had such a huge audience. That's true. A billion dollars it made. The first time any movie made a billion dollars, which is good because it was also, at its time, the most expensive movie ever made. Right, exactly. Because James Cameron made it. Cameron just, he keeps doing this to himself. But um, maybe just outline the film and to touch on the points of the scenes that appeal to us. Yeah, and go over the characters and and things like that. Um, I do want to talk about the the billionaires at the bottom of the sea. The recent unpleasantness. The recent unpleasantness. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can do that at the end. And then we're also going to go over what we're going to talk about next month because it's the last episode of the month. Okay. But first, we meet Rose and we meet Jack. I think actually in that order. Rose was played by Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. She's so beautiful and young. She's very she has beautiful. beautiful red hairs. And uh, Leo looks fresh off the set of Growing Pains. I know he's not that young, but mm-hmm. whew, he is unlined and smooth like a baby. <laughs> uh, and he has sloppy 90s hair, <laughs> even though he's supposed to be in 1912. Well, <laughs> uh, maybe that made a comeback with floppy hair. We actually don't start with them. I always forget. Every time I watch this movie, Mm. I forget. There's a frame narrative, and it stars uh, Bill Paxton, rest in peace. And the, I believe it's the actual, is, I don't think he goes around inside the actual Titanic, but the outer images, is that images of the Titanic? Yes, it did. It did. Because I know he went down. Mm -hmm. um, And I figured... The way that you sort of justify that is, I need it for the movie. Well, he also, apparently over a two-year period, had been making dives. Yes. Um, regularly. In fully sanctioned vehicles right. that were prepared for the and depths the, that, to the which they're going. Not uh, with the innovative techniques, as it turns out, experimental methods that were used in building the recent submarine uh, yeah. submersible yes it's not even a, yeah it's anyways we'll get into it later but uh and so that is pretty impressive right off the bat is seeing this wreckage um mm. without it being you know a computer like a cartoon yes, or there's there's there is cgi in this film but it's very early days cgi yeah. and it unfortunately is sort of noticeable at times it distracts yeah. you from what you're specifically during the a, a lot of the the deaths mm-hmm. that we see from people like sliding down the decks right. just looks, right. I mean, which is fine. I don't want um, 
stunt people to have to do that. So well, we've seen that. We've yes. seen that in the Poseidon Adventure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and I, yeah, it's kind no. of a nightmare. So yeah, we're not. Yeah, Mm-mm. so we're glad about that. So Bill Paxton looking for the heart of the ocean, mm-hmm. big giant diamond necklace. Yes, it's a diamond, even though it's blue. That shit is confusing. Right, and he's he's hasn't told everyone that he's looking for it. He doesn't hasn't told everyone that that's what he's looking for. Oh, okay. I presumed that everybody on the ship knew. But the aside from the backers, I'm not sure that everyone does know. Oh, okay. And, I didn't um, I didn't get that at all. So I didn't yeah, know. because the he finds a safe where yeah. the diamond is supposed to be kept. Yeah. And they're all before they open the safe, they're all cheersing because they know what's in the safe. Yeah, well, but it's not. Well, <laughs> they it's think, not in the safe. Yeah. But the uh, we're alerted to, or rather, the story goes from there to Rose's elderly woman, who's played yes. by Gloria Stewart. Yes, she's lovely, and she won the Academy Award. Right, she was very good in um, Old Dark House with Boris Karloff and Charles Lawton in nineteen. Oh, I do like Charles Lawton. Yeah, that was Charles Lawton's first film role. Wow, so that's, that's how far back she goes. And she was the one of the ingenue characters in that film. Got you. And. Uh, she and her uh, granddaughter, Susie Amos, who I wondered whatever happened to her. Uh-huh. Turns out she became Mrs. James Cameron. Oh, shit, really? <laughs> That's so funny. And she was an actress who I, I really was very fond of for a while. She was like a model and actress. Did she do the thing like Michelle Pfeiffer, marry a very rich man and then just live your fucking life outside I, I of? That she made appearances. You would find her in films off and on for a little while. Like Got she's you. the lawyer in The Usual Suspects. Oh, okay. Or something. And she would have these smaller parts, and then eventually, I guess, it just lost interest for her, because it was now growth of her being a, a model. Yeah. Right? So, um, anyhow, uh, Rose and her granddaughter are together, and we see that Rose is kind of, uh, she's making pottery at the time. Yes. She's on a, on a wheel. Yes. And she hears about, over, over her tiny television. Such a small little TV. Right. Like a four-inch little monitor. Yeah, that the um, the Titanic has been explored, and the reason why um, Paxton's character is interested in her is that she asks him, "Have you found this, the uh, necklace yet?" Right. Yeah. So then, immediately, he wants to talk to her. Yeah. Because not everyone's supposed to know that he's looking for the right. Every, I think everybody on his boat knows all of the people who are working, but they're not telling anybody else right. because it's for them. Like they don't want poachers or you know mm-hmm. um, pirates think, right. or any of the that stuff. Are supposed to have known as well because they're the ones yes. they're looking for. They're the yeah. They're the ones. And they, so they he's want... probably covering it that he's uh, his story is that he's working on a documentary about the deep ocean depths. Right. And he's even being mocked by his coworkers because he's putting on such a yeah. a show of uh, you know. Well, be, realistically, um, he's not wrong. If know. they find it, they'll make it. They'll, they'll use that footage and they'll right. pay him for it. Like it's a smart business play, but like it is business inappropriate. However, sure, you, lots of things are inappropriate. Right, but, Here's the thing: uh-huh. the Titanic is a gravesite. Yes, so. You should enter it or to, or approach it with that yeah, kind of reverence. Yes. To people in my faith, it's sacred ground. Yeah. You don't go digging in yep. graveyards. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what comes up. Not off. just your faith. Right. Well, Almost every indigenous culture feels the well, same way. Yes. People um, of the book generally all kind of feel that way about graveyards. Uh, we but, saw Poltergeist. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he flies her in. Her and her granddaughter and literally everything right. she owns, and, and which is hilarious. He, when he opened the safe, he found a picture, uh, a, drawing, a drawing, a sketch of a naked woman yeah. wearing the necklace. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a picture that James Cameron drew. We'll get right. there. Uh, so then, then she t- starts telling them her story. Like, we get a ways in before. Like, it's like 15 minutes, probably, of... Not Titanic, like not young people Titanic, but mm-hmm. old people Titanic. Um, and they do mention that she is at this time 101 years old. Right. Uh, and there's some doubts as to her veracity, right? Uh, but then she, like, like pretty quickly, they're like, Oh no, she's telling mm-hmm. the absolute truth. So we, he- we hear at the beginning there was no record of you being found. Um, and she had changed her name. Mm-hmm. She gave her name as Rose Dawson, and that is the name that she lived under. Yeah. Uh, which we see her make that decision in the film, but we know it happened right at the beginning because they, they talk about how to, uh, how they were looking right. for survivors. She, was, she turned out to be an actress. Yeah. She turned out to, and they were, I think, one of my favorite lines is his, uh, Support staff is saying, well, she could be a woman who's faking it. Like that yeah. woman, um, anesthesia. <laughs> anesthesia, yes. Which is pretty funny. Yes. That's an anesthesia reference, guys. Um, so then we get her story. And so we flash back. Uh, DiCaprio and his friend Fabrizio win their tickets to the Titanic in a poker game, which is amazing. But also... I really liked the sort of various uh, accents that we get in this movie. Just mm-hmm. Europe, all European all the time. But the dude that plays Fabrizio, who's an actor that I actually like, his Italian accent is on par with that Dustin Hoffman one from Perfume. Like, right. it's... You might as well just be be doing a Chef Boyardee commercial. Like it is, it's out of control, bad. Uh, so I don't. They could have just had him not do that. That would have been fine. Or hire an Italian dude. The dude's in like four scenes. You could have just hired somebody with an Italian accent, but it's fine. So Rose also is a. We know that like acting makes sense, pottery mm-hmm. makes sense because she's an art collector, and right. just like in the present day where she has all of her photos and like right. tons of her own personal shit that she brought with her because that's she can't travel without her photos it, in this flashback or in the in the the main meat of the story she's got a bunch of paintings with her in her right. suite on the titanic and it's like picassos and degas like it's wild <laughs> but they were these were living artists at the time right exactly so she is an art connoisseur, but she is not, she wouldn't know. Um, you know, she's collecting great works from people that she likes, which turns out she's got good taste. Uh, I wonder how true that piece of it is. Like, how many of Picasso's works are on the bottom of the ocean? Like Picasso was very prolific. Yeah. Including sometimes paying off bills at restaurants and cafes just... by just... There's a wonderful story 
Picasso's Summer that Ray Bradbury wrote uh-huh. about a man who's desperate to collect a Picasso and finds him eventually on a beach in Spain drawing in the sand. Uh-oh. Just as the tide's coming in, he's yeah. out there trying to scoop it up. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's a wonderful story, though. Um, so, yeah, I'm just wondering, those were richy rich people on that on that uh, boat. Some of them were. Well, yes. Anybody, but I, so I'm just wondering how much art was lost in the in the sinking. You know, what we also have, I should say, is... What was I going to say? Oh, right at the beginning, um, the one of the engineers in Bill Paxton's group basically gives us a walkthrough of what happened, the damage that was done by the iceberg, right. where it went, how it um, affected the ship from um, bow to stern, and then tipped, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> tipped the tipped the boat up out of the water until its frame couldn't handle that when it broke in half and then separated entirely into two pieces and then sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Ooh. Here's the thing about me. My biggest fear is cars and water combined with each other. Mm. But not far behind that, I don't like boats on the land. No, she does not. It makes me so uncomfortable. Even a boat in dry dock. I don't want to see the bottom of a boat. I should never see the bottom of a boat. The bottom of the boat is supposed to be hidden in the water. And as soon as it isn't, something is wrong and it freaks me out. I understand that this is a very weird thing Mm. to be afraid of, but I am deeply afraid of it. And that whole scene, when the boat does what we know the boat is going to do... Yes, like, I felt like I was having a panic attack. <laughs> it was rough. It's laid out for you in such a way so that when you actually see it, well, it, it's a... Because you see it on this little screen and you're like, wow, that's fucked up. And then you see it... Right. Ma- like, the massive scale that it was. And that's kind of what you would like... Um, uh, uh, how can I put it? What I like about this scene is... And all the, the, the scenes... Because I, I, I agree with you that there's sometimes feel... A little extraneous compared to the story that you actually yeah, want to Yeah, well, say. it's not... I I just forget about it. Right. I didn't mind it, and it was a little bit longer than I might have preferred, although I heard that they... It was supposed to be longer. Yeah, they, they yeah. cut a love story out between her, like, Rose's granddaughter and Bill Paxton, which, great, because nobody needs that. Or, like, a, not a love story, but, like, a fling that they have. Mm. I guess you had said to contrast a, right. this relationship. Undying love. This short... It's short but passionate relationship mm. that and, and real legitimate relationship that Rose had versus right. whatever those two would have had. But I'm glad that he didn't do that. Not least of which because James Cameron, this is James Cameron's best relationship movie by a fucking long shot. I think it's his best relationship movie. Um... There are moments when he's good at it, but by and large, he's not. He's not. It's he's, not as bad as George I, Lucas, who we right. talked about it being terrible well, last George, week. George Lucas's writing tends to be he's moving parts, and they seem to need. Well, again, this is my point of view. Yeah. The, he seems to want to have people fit into slots so that they can perform an action, whereas yeah. their motivations can be a complete mystery to you why they're doing it. Yeah. Every because the script says so, right? Which is every once in a while somebody does something that feels genuine, but mostly it does feel as if yeah. people are doing things because the script is compelling them to do them. Yeah. 
Um, what I I think this that Lucas and Spielberg also has this problem, mm-hmm. and James Cameron as well is that they're although Cameron's better at it, oh, his little details are good. Yeah, his sometimes he would give us he gave us a story in this case. Uh, poor boy meets rich girl. Right. It's, Which it's is very. We got to keep in mind what James Cameron also mm-hmm. does is trope. Like he right. does the story you've heard. He does his spin on it or whatever. But it's, it's yes, it's familiar. Very and familiar. It's why me. I don't care for Avatar. Right. Other than the visuals, it's every movie that you've ever well, like. Yes, every... and, and so. When I'm looking at, well, to an actionable degree with the Terminator movies, where he literally right. got sued because he just sort of lifted a story from yep. some, in this case, a very kind of combative and fractious yeah, And Avatar's Fern Gully, for all intents and purposes. Avatar is also John Carter. Yeah, for, yes, exactly. The original John Carter yeah. or Princess of Mars that Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote it is a lot of it lot is of taken is, from. Yeah. But it's, book. I mean, any any story where colonizer, mm-hmm. indigenous. Right. Um, corporation seeking um, uh, money versus the environment and the people that live in wherever that is. I mean, it's these are, right. you know, well-trod. And, and, it's, and it's, there's nothing, I mean, when he called it unobtainium, I was like, right. okay, so he doesn't give a fuck about me or his audience. Cool. I think what works best in this story is that the two actors... Yeah. Really sell this. They really do romance. To the, they really to, do. And when you think about the other actors who were up for the part, yeah, not Leonardo DiCaprio, but apparently everyone in Hollywood was up for Rose. Down Rose. Yeah, everyone from oh, I Paltrow. Don't know. I saw um, Claire Danes, Gabrielle Anwar, Reese Witherspoon, Winona, Winona Ryder. Ryder. It's like they all uh, turn it down, and then she does it, and it's. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like had anybody else done it. Yeah. And she didn't give a good uh, audition or a good screen test, mm. so they were skeptical, but she kept pushing right. for it. She was like, she sent him things saying, love your rose. Like, mm. I mean, she was like, she lobbied him over the phone like she wanted this job. It's hard to believe almost that he didn't want her because there are scenes where she is photographed and she's so strikingly beautiful. I mean, she is given the best close-ups. That's not... I don't think her visual was what the issue was. But I think she's excellent in that. And she she does does. win the Academy Award for it. She plays a character who, on this viewing of it, and it happened... Because I've seen it film once before, and then about a year ago I saw it again at the the prompting of of a friend who... uh, This is her favorite movie. Ah. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't care for it the first time, but seeing it the second time, years and years and years later, uh, it's her character is really complicated. It is. And very, and not always likable. And her, and largely, or well, we don't Mm -hmm. know if it's largely because of the situation she's in, but it's not not part of a reason. She doesn't, this dude that she is engaged to, played by Billy Zane, fantastic. What a fucking dick. He is a monster. Right. And, and she doesn't have a choice. Billy Zane really felt, at least at one point, this film just tanked his career. And it could be said. That it, it could be said, because right. he... I loved him in Demon Night. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Tales from the Crypt movie right. with Jada Pinkett Smith. Who was just Jada Pinkett at the time. Uh, 
and him, he is remarkable in it. Right. As also an asshole, but like really likable. He's a demon, right. so that's not great. But like he's fucking funny in oh, it. Yeah. Here in this movie, he's just utterly the worst. humorless and he's He's humorless, he's violent. The best expression of this kind of it reminds me his character reminds me a lot of um Steerforth in Oliver Twist. He's just an abusive yeah. man who never takes responsibility and for what he, he does. And he feels entitled right, to exactly. literally everything. It's, he, it's bad. He's the personification of those qualities. Yeah. And so he's in a relationship, or he's engaged to Rose. Yeah. He is constantly demanding sexual yes. favors from Rose, despite the fact that they're engaged. They're, they're not, not married, married yet. And... um. There's a there, during the scene, the famous the mm-hmm. draw me like your French girl scene. They're in her salon, right? And you and I was like, he could come in at any minute. And you said this is her area, right? And I was like, he paid for it. He definitely has a key. And you better believe when if Rose continues to not go to his room, he's gonna come to hers. Well, and there's there's a, and mean, then his valet. Opens the, like appears with right. the key and opens the door. <laughs> to, to touch on it lightly, because I know that we're we're but yeah, again, we'll, just yeah. dropping on, on on things. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go back and forth. Jack the plot. runs onto the boat with Fabrizio. Yeah, they wind up going to the lower decks, yes. and then we're treated to the Steerage. upper decks. Yeah, where Rose and her her uh, husband to be, who's just sort of abusive and very wealthy, and Rose's mother are. Rose has some sympathy from a maid, and I'm not sure if it's a private maid they brought with them or if it's... Someone from the ship. Right. Probably um, a private maid that they brought with them. Because she seems to be very concerned about Rose's health yeah. and well-being. And the mother has a... Who's played by a Francis... A, She's really good. Francis Fisher. She, at one point, steers her daughter to go sleep with this character in order to hold on to him. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't remember a, that at all. Because he's constantly making uh, comments about how... And that's why I don't think that he would have gone into her room, because he keeps insisting, why didn't you visit me last night? No, I know. So, I'm saying he keeps wanting that. Right. But this is a, what, three-week journey or something like I, that? Yeah, I don't if, know. If, if he... If he ran out of patience, and he was definitely going to run out of patience because he doesn't—he only has like an inch and a half of patience. I think he would have gone to her I, room. I think that in his case, it was a power trip, though. He, was, he wants her to come to mm-hmm. him, but he also—he's not a delayed gratification kind of guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At one point, after as many brandies as he's definitely having, and as many cigars as he's having every night. Mm-hmm. He's going to rape her. Like, there's no question in my mind that he is. Well, He's going to not think that it's rape because that's his property, but it's going to be rape. I think at this point, it's... And up until he knows that she slept with Jack and then she, he wouldn't oh, no, touch no, no. her. Then she's, to his lights, he's, yeah. uh, she's spoiled. Yes, because it's something. not... He, he doesn't just want to sleep with her. He wants her virginity, like, right. without question. Whether... Okay, so... And we should say, well, we, we can put more, more context. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother, I don't, I don't remember her trying to get her to sleep with him, mm-hmm. but she did want him to be nice, her to be nice. And cause they had, she doesn't have a choice. Apparently her dad died, left her all of the debt. Mm-hmm. They have no money. They are not well off anymore. And so they need this money. Now, 
this, like so many stories of this time period and previous, is why women should always know what the fucking books say. Because when your husband dies, you're going to be fucked. <laughs> like, and often your husband dies by his own hand leaving you fucked. Like, it's not necessarily an accident. We find out later on that was the case. That was the case here, right. too, yes. Um, but that, ha- I mean, that's a fairly common story of, you know, widow falls into debt mm-hmm. because husband, she thought he was rich, and it turns out he'd squandered it or whatever, and right. they were living on credit, and he it got too bad for him, and he takes himself out. And it's just like, your wife and kids just on the street, I guess. <laughs> like it's wild. It's wild. Um, okay, so Rose, very rich, full of Picasso, sad, hates her, hates her fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, very poor but very happy. He's an artist. Um, you do see the difference. Yeah, the the wood paneling in the beautiful room upstairs to his downstairs, where there are two bunks, right. two bunk beds. It's four four beds to this room that is definitely smaller than the room we're sitting in right now. Um, so, you know, yeah. a vast difference between the, the various um, classes that really call them a class. I love that America doesn't think it has a class system when you literally call shit first class. <laughs> like, um, And after a fancy dinner, Rose uh, can't fucking take it anymore and does run to the back of the ship and climb up and over the railing. Mm-hmm. She is going to throw herself into the sea, but... More likely she's going to throw herself into the sea and get propellered to pieces by propellered. these enormous propellers. I hate boats. They scare me so much. Um, and I Jack. saw April Fool's Day at the wrong age. It's Ugh. a terrible situation with me and propellers, too. Ugh. And Jack had seen her earlier. Right. He was sitting with her. He is struck by her beauty. Which is interesting because the way that that's even staged, he's on the lower deck. I mean, he looks up and sees her like she's some kind yes. of angel. Yeah. Or Juliet, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, and he like comes over and he's like, don't do it. And then he's like, well, if you have to go, if you go in, I'm going to have to come after you. So he starts taking his shoes off and he's like, you know, if you go, I go this, you, you know, you're going to condemn me to death. Mm-hmm. He's like, she's like, well, the fall would probably kill you. And he's like, no, but it's probably, <laughs> it, I, it's cold. I'm worried about right. it. And at that point she's like, oh, this is probably not a great idea. And she decides she's going to come back over. But then of course she slips and then he has to grab her and hold her and pull her back over. And then they collapse together on the deck. And that is of course when everybody shows up to help. And they think that he is accosting her, but she, he is not. Right. The only person who seems to not buy his story, uh, when Rose says, I was looking over the edge and he rescued me. Yeah. Is, uh, I tri- I, silly me, I tripped or whatever. David Warner. The valet. Right. Who well, he's not wrong. An ex-Pinkerton. Yeah. Wink, so that's wink. unsurprising. We discussed that. Yes. <laughs> See last week's episode. Um, um, who uh, is, just notices, well, so she was falling over, but you had time to take off your take shoes. Take off your shoes and coat. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's not wrong. I mean, no. he's just. Oh no, he's just—he's a Pinkerton. He's right? like, uh, okay. But like, she—so now, it's not even him that he doesn't mm. trust; it's her, right? Right? 
because why did you lie for this mm-hmm. slug of a person that he he would think, right? Um, and at that point, we have Billy Zane going, okay, well, um, you know, as a reward, you should come to dinner with us tomorrow. And he's like, okay, I'll be there. It's meant to humiliate Yes, him. it is. 100%. Uh, at this point, I think we find out, oh, they, they dock in another port and, mm-hmm. um, and Molly, the unsinkable Molly Brown comes aboard and that's played by, uh, Kathy Bates. And she's awesome. And she's new money, so all of the old money, including mm-hmm. Rose's mom, who has no money, but okay. She plays the part very well. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, and there's a, is it a countess yes, that's I on board? So. Um, I'm trying to remember, but she was. But it's all old the money. Like, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's, it's Rose's mom is accustomed to money. Yes, no, of course. And, so, and she can't, she can't let on. Mm-hmm. That she is desperate because right. then she's gonna have to basically sell Rose. Like she has already she is, do, she Rose, is yeah. but it would be a little bit more vile, mm-hmm. I think, okay. is is the word I would use. So um so she comes on board and uh the next day Jack and Rose are walking and talking about their lives, introducing mm-hmm. their, themselves to each other, because, you know, Billy Zane's character just, I don't know where he goes. When he, after well, dinner, he goes and has brandy and cigar, cigars. I don't know what he's doing he during the day. He has it with Mr. Astor and the, the rest of the, the people. Yeah. And we're also introduced to a couple of other characters who are of not as, they, they don't play as big a part in the plot itself as much as they, they are historical characters oh yes yeah right like the asters yes Um, so we have the okay let's see i gotta go down to a historical character garber who's so so real people kathy bates the unsinkable molly brown she's a real lady then victor garber plays uh thomas andrews and that's the builder of the ship now not the actual i love that they call him the ship's builder because he's definitely the engineer and architect of this thing but Mm. he didn't build it a bunch of men in overalls built this thing like he didn't do it he's very fancy uh he he's the best of well he and the captain are the best people up on top i think Mm -hmm. that we see uh and then and so bernard hill plays uh the captain edward john smith the most anglo-saxon name that's that's ever been and this was going to be his final voyage before retiring because, of course, it was. Uh, he's too old for this shit, and he's really got the Danny Glover um, thing in this. And he's a, like, he seems, at least in this, he is portrayed as a good, upstanding man who tried to do the right thing but allowed capitalism to override him basically because of Jonathan Hyde's character, uh, J Bruce Ismay, who is a villain. He's a straight up villain in real life. And in this movie, he is a villain. He, um, what, what is he's, he's the money, right? right? Like he is, he, is the representative from the shipping company, I guess, or the, the not the shipping, it's not a shipping company, but the company that is doing these 
cruises? Would you even have called them cruises at that point? He was the managing director of the White Star Line. Yeah. And he would accompany the new ships on their trips. So it's like... um, And this was the largest ship of Like owning a railway. It's that kind of a thing. It was the largest ship of its kind at the time. Yes. And he keeps pressing the captain to... Go faster. Go faster. Because they had boilers that they're not using. Yeah, they were they were using two of four. Is that what it was? I believe so. Or they four. had two more that they right. weren't using, they whatever use that was. And two, he's like, speed it up. We want to get there early because mm-hmm. they've already covered the size. They've covered who's on board. They've. We need more press. And what's yeah. going to get us more press is you speeding up. Because there's 2,000, more than 2,000 people on board. Yeah. And so the 2,200 souls. They want to try to promote it. As a luxury liner to the very rich, right. and also for people to uh, for, passenger so for passengers to go back and forth. Right? Um, but they they're only going to get that kind of promotion if they keep or upping themselves. Of, right, it's, if they keep yeah. up doing the last record they broke. Yeah, and so in setting this boat out at what twenty two knots or something, something like that. Yeah, twenty one. Um, I think. Yeah, it's uh, they're putting them in danger. Yes, because you can come up suddenly on something on something, and you can't and, and something this big. Right. doesn't turn real quick, as it's we find interesting, out. It's the, the historical detail that in the dark, on a calm sea, it's it was, very hard yeah. to see an iceberg. They were saying, um, there, there's a scene with the watchmen mm. up on the, you know, wherever they watch. It's not a crow's nest in this no, thing, not, but it's it's the, it's the it's the the equivalent of that. Mm. And they're like, I've never seen this, the ocean so still. It's yeah. like a pond. There's no movement, which I think is super creepy too. Like, how is the ocean not moving? Yeah, it's um, the ocean is like the embodiment of movement. It describes how frightening being on a still ocean. In that point, they were using sails, so it was right. So that yeah, if there's no wind, Mm -hmm. which is what makes the the churn, yeah, you're stuck. Um, And in this case, it was. And then they said there's that you won't see an iceberg in the dark. Because there's no lapping at the bottom of it, right. because there's no movement at all, which is fucking wild. And also that there were icebergs this late in the year where they were going. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't they go further south? I think that would have taken off their time. I still think it would have been better. <laughs> Turns out. Yes. But, like, precautions. to know, mm-hmm. well, I guess they were already en route yeah. when the sea got um, still. But, yeah, man, I would, as soon as that happened, I would be like, well, we need to go to where there aren't icebergs because this isn't, this isn't good. And then, yeah, Edward, uh, the John Jacob Astor IV, richest man on the ship. Is he the one that sits and says, I'm going to go out like a gentleman? I believe I think so. he is. At the, yeah, the next thing that happens really in the movie after uh, Jack and Rose have their day of chatting is he, they they get separated. Um, she's going to go off to dress for dinner. And Kathy Bates, Molly Brown says, well, what are you planning on wearing? And he's like, that. Like he he doesn't yeah. have, he has one outfit. <laughs> he was playing poker and then he grabbed a satchel and got on this boat. He doesn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's what I thought. Come with me. And he dresses, she dresses him in uh, one of her son's tuxedos. And so he looks very good. And then he's down at the bottom of the stairs sort of practicing shaking hands, which is so cute. I just, like, I do that, but I don't, like, act. He's fully acting it out. I'm like, people can see you, dude. um, But I definitely do that in my head. And uh, then 
he is, of course, smitten again because uh, Rose is going to come down the stairs and they, her outfits in this movie are gorgeous. <laughs> um, and she looks so beautiful. And then he walks with her to the table as he is being derisively sort of mocked by, not outright, but mm-hmm. like in that passive-aggressive rich person way by Billy Zane. And even at the table, as he's telling he's telling stories, but then they ask him questions, and they're like, are you, you know, is it Dawson from such and such? And he's like, no, the Chippewa Falls Dawson, because that's where he's from, in, what is it, Wisconsin? Because he says that right at the beginning, because you go ice fishing, and that's how he knows the water's going to be well cold. Um, but, yeah, Chippewa Falls Dawson's. I'm going to see. I feel like it was, yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And um, he declines, because he's smart, going to drink brandy and have mm. um, cigars. And political discussion. And political him. discussion with all the witchy witches. He's like, nah. And then he like at, turns to Rose and says, hey, you want to go to a real party? And then they go to a party down in the steerage area, mm. where there is much drinking and dancing and rejoicing. And lots of... Um... There's a lot of I like the, the music in this. Yes, too. the music You're is great. Listening to this kind of Italian fusion, Irish, Irish. <laughs> yes, they're doing yeah Italian jigs and like <laughs> all kinds of of stuff. And it's really it's it's a good it's it right. is a party. It's a good time. And then she is this where she does she goes up on point. Yes. She's like, you guys think you're big and strong or whatever. Watch this, and she kicks off her shoes, and she hikes up her skirts, which. In 1912, was a big fucking but deal. She's been drinking a great deal. She has been. Point. She's drunk too. She's been drinking beer, some sort of stout. It looked good, and she, this had to be feet, feet right. doubles because I don't think she could do this. She got up on her t- toes and then she got on point barefoot, which is extraordinarily painful and extraordinarily difficult. Like they wear shoes for that. It's still really hard and really difficult. But yeah, she went up. And she couldn't stay there for very long. She makes a face and she gets back down. But every guy there is like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You might as well have levitated in front of them for all they've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, stop telling me that women are weak. We have babies and we can do that. So how about you (laughs) shut up? Um, And then... Is that the, basically it that night? Or do they run through the ship some more? They spend a lot of time running through the ship. Yes. It's the whole climate. The last half hour, hour and a half of the well, film is by running through the ship. The first half, it is about an hour and a half of love story, mm-hmm. and then an hour and a half of the sink ship or the ship sinking. Um, this movie is classified as an epic romance and uh, disaster film, and it is really both of those things. And and there's half that's one, half that's the other. They don't. There's a little bit of crossover, but mm-hmm. once the once the iceberg is hit, right. we have shifted gears entirely, which makes a lot of sense, too. Like, this is a party boat up until it fucking isn't anymore, right? Uh, so, let me see. What's... He draws her like one of his French girls. That's not that day. That's the thing. The like I was day. trying this to think. Is the next, it is the, the right, next, next day. day okay. Because, uh, during the next day, um, Billy Zane's character, his name escapes me because he's a jerk. Uh, 
Heladon Hawkley. Good lord. Yeah, right. That's, that's a mouthful. That's right. Uh, not only is angry and upset with her information brought back from his spy agent. Yeah. He smacks her around some and he tells does. her yeah. that she is his property. Yeah. And that, that was uh, is very upset with her for not coming to visit him in his cabin. Again. Especially if yeah. she was out. Right. Carousing till late at night. And we have seen, we should say, in the very first, I think, scene with Cal, he puts the heart of the ocean on her. Um, and we had heard Gloria Stewart say mm-hmm. it was a dreadful heavy. <laughs> like, and yeah, no kidding. Right. It's so much diamonds. Um, and then, yeah, the next day. Mm-hmm. Jack confesses his love for her, pulls her aside. And then she pays for her portrait to be done. Well, she... This is after... She has looked at his um, right, sketches. Right. And then she, yeah, takes him back. No, she says first, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. And at this point, I don't even think they've kissed. Um, and he goes back and they set up a little settee. And um, she goes in the bedroom, changes into nothing and a robe. <laughs> Good mood. She, this is brave, too. Yeah. I'm just like... She's a virgin. <laughs> and she's just going to lay naked in front of this dude. And she does. She gets on the thing. We see 21-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio try to hold his shit together. <laughs> um, and he does draw her. And by he draws her, I mean James Cameron draws her because right. he does the, the sketch. Um, I did see a meme the other day. I, I My phone knows that I watch this movie, so I'm getting Titanic memes now because the future. Uh, and it was something like, I really want to see Leonardo DiCaprio's drawing, like what he was doing, like what he was drawing Mm. while James Cameron was trying Kate Winslet. Um, and then once the picture is done, she does, she does, she she just paid him a dime, I think. Um, and she takes, the picture she writes you see her starting to write you see a d and mm-hmm. that's all you see and then she puts stuff in the safe. safe and i'm just like this bitch is blowing up her life right now right like she just wrote a dear john well, letter to a man who's on again, the boat at this point she's already said or she's already accepted leonardo dicaprio's overture of affection like, i understand so she now but, has made her up her mind that she's running off with him because Except she can't run off. They are on a boat. Right. That is but my thing. I think I'm just the like, idea is that he's not going to go below decks to go looking for her. Maybe that's what she thinks wrongly. Or the fact, I don't think she also counts on how petty or vindictive he is. Uh, yeah, that's why. That's wild because, wild, because up, I count on yeah, how petty or vindictive he is. He winds up being vindictive to a ridiculous degree. To, yeah, to a self-sabotaging yeah. degree. Right. Um, so she just thinks she's going to hide down in steerage? Until the that's boat the from it. it that's a wild supposition. I'm just like, you're gonna have to eat at some point. Like, you couldn't hold it together until you docked, and then you could do whatever you want during the day. Clearly, Cal doesn't give like isn't around. Mm-hmm. But like to blow up your whole life right. in the middle of the ocean, like that is a wild. They like, keep doing that where they're just running, and I'm like. You're only gonna go so far because you're trapped on a boat. Um, and then uh, they go, they have sex in a car. You all have seen the picture or the image, her <laughs> hand on the window. Uh, and then 
And then during that or just after that, the the watchman who had earlier said, I can smell ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does not smell ice no, because they see this iceberg directly ahead of them. And they're like, we're going to fucking run into that. And they're going fast, right? They're still at their top speed. And he has to, the, it's not the captain. Mm-hmm. It's like the first mate or whatever you call them. I don't know what you call them, but he's in charge now. And he, basically turns the wheel as much as he can to try and not run directly into this thing. Cause they are on a, like a dead on collision course. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets it turned, but it nicks the side and the, the iceberg. The yeah. Well, it, compared to what it would have been, right. it's a Nick, but it's a, it's a big one. Cause it does tear holes like punch holes into the entire side of the ship Mm. and water starts coming in immediately and they think for a second that was a close call like and everybody knows what happened there's a shake right this is and they've been told that it was ironic considering what just happened yeah is it this was the triumph of a new technology that was going to prevent the boat from ever being able to sink which is but that's what I think my favorite thing that Victor Garber says mm-hmm. is after they're when they're all talking about what has happened and right. what's already filled with water. He's done the he does the math fairly quickly in his head and he's like, the ship's going to go down and it's going to be down in two hours max. Right. And it, I think it's Ismay that says mm-hmm. this ship is unsinkable or this ship can't sink. And Victor Garber goes, it's made out of iron. I assure you <laughs> it can. Like it's not rainbows and clouds that you're on. No, no, this yeah, is a, there was also, there was multiple a, ton, like thousands uh, of an tons. engineering attempt or attempt to engineer a sink, an uh, unsinkable ship. Right. With the Titanic. But pro tip, don't yes. call something unsinkable because nature don't like that shit. Well, um, <laughs> God himself couldn't sink this ship, which is... Is that what he said? Yes. <laughs> well, you I smited mean, everybody. Right. It's like... The, um, I, they were smited. I remember seeing that. Uh, yeah, that's wild. And, and uh, the response is like, this is just a, a good example of why you should just keep your damn mouth shut. Sometimes yeah. don't say anything. Don't, you don't, don't, don't put, put that, that out there. Out there. Don't, Woof. Right. And, of course, our our protagonists are the first some of the first people to know right. what has happened. Victor Garber has taken a liking to Rose, not a gross mm-hmm. one. Like he He's genuinely likes her. He's proud of his ship, but right. he also like likes He's this proud young of the lady. Interest that she's showing in the ship. That's true cuz she keeps asking him about right. how it works and what's, you know. And I, and it's almost going to be I think this one we will have to like truncate because I, this is the problem I have with the film. Yeah. Is that uh the uh, the Pinkerton detective they they recover they recover um, Jack and Rose they get brought up to yeah the well state room. yeah they're tra- they start right. but they're going down they they go to Cal they they go there right. which is also a wild fucking choice because their mom's there too mm-hmm. and to say um, the ship is going down and she learned well, earlier that day or the day before that there were 
not anywhere near enough lifeboats mm. by half. Yes. There was enough lifeboats for half of the people because on the ship. Because it would clutter up the deck of the ship, which is also possibly Ismay's choice. I'm not sure. I promise you it um, is. Because, again, representing the, 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 the shipping line. Yes. And the, yeah, and, and what the wealthy want to see. Right. And, and so they go up, although they go back to the stateroom, they, uh, the former Pinkerton drops the diamond into Jack's yeah, they, pocket. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they stage mm-hmm. a, a theft. Right, and he goes back and he winds up being taken off to, uh, and handcuffed to a... It's, it would be the brig, but right. it's just it's an empty room. Because it's uh, a cruise ship. Like, right. there's, a, there's, there's jails on cruise ships now. I, this one, yeah. There's, um, what, what happens and after he that? gets handcuffed to pipes. Yeah. And, but he tries to tell Rose he didn't do it, and she goes for a second, and she doesn't stop mm-hmm. him being taken because she's not sure if he stole this thing, which is fucked up. I think, and this is the part where it gets confusing for me, Yeah. right? Because they're on the ship and off the ship and on lifeboats and off the yes. lifeboats, and it winds up taking too many turns for me. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, Victor Garber has said... Mm-hmm. The ship is going down. Get to the lifeboats. Don't wait. You remember what I said about them. Just saying, if you don't get on one early, there won't be one. Like, that's what it is. And so, and she knows she's a woman and a child, so she knows she's going to get on it, plus she's rich. So she's definitely going to get on. And they put her on one, in fact, um, next to her mother. And she's starting to go down. What they didn't figure out in all of the, and I guess it's because they thought it was fucking unsinkable, so they didn't mm-hmm. have to think about it. The lowering mechanism for these lifeboats is rough. It's just it's two people, two people with some wooden rope, rope lo- pulleys, lowering them on pulleys, right? At, trying to lower them at the same rate of speed. Yeah. While there are clou- crowds of people pushing and trying to get forward, and they're of course panicking mm-hmm. because the ship is going right. down. Um, and, but yeah, the 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 dropping of the of the lifeboats is like real rough rough to watch. Um, she. Gets lowered like a foot and a half. No, I guess she gets down to the next deck level. No, that happens the second time she gets put on a, a lifeboat. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. okay. That, that's sort of, it's just like, uh, like yeah. she stay on the lifeboat? So, yeah, she gets yeah, she gets mm-hmm. in the lifeboat twice. She gets in, then she gets out, and she wants to find Jack. Uh-huh. Because um, I don't even know. If she, I don't think she gets in the lifeboat then. I think she leaves when they're standing there because... Um, she finds out from Cal that he's right. been taken and and um, somewhere deep, deep in the ship, and she's like, uh, he's, he's definitely going to die. And so she goes down and rescues him after a lot of running through cold water, a lot of people going, no, I'm not going to help you. Mm-hmm. It felt very Poseidon Adventure, right? right. Like, like you could help me if you gave me three, you know, a minute and a half of your time, and it's like, nope, I got to right. save and me. That's, that's, I think, the best part of the film really... And where Cameron comes up with probably the most memorable images in the, the sinking part of it yeah, for me. for sure. Were the way in which specifically the, 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 the people on the lower decks are literally kept behind locked gates. Yes. And not allowed to come up. Not allowed to come up, yeah. And no, it's, it's so heinous. It's May, who apparently in actual life was only waiting 20 minutes for a boat. He didn't even... In this, he waits a while, but he definitely gets yeah, on he one. he only waited 20 minutes for a boat, was immediately put on there. Um, and and uh, he only spent three hours, or three to, between three and four hours, actually, out in the lifeboat itself. 
Um, that's how many hours. Yeah, it was yeah. four hours. They they put a distress signal out as soon as they they know right. what's happening. Um, and the, the Carpathia, Carpathia is the closest. Is a very sinister name for it. <laughs> it whatever. Is the closest, but at full speed, it won't be there until for four hours. Right. And also, when they get close, they can't go full speed, right? right? Exactly. There are icebergs around, and they that, will fuck you up. If there are survivors that haven't been sucked under by the ship going under, there's going to be people littering the From, sea on wreckage. Yeah, right. And so you can't go. You can't just go plowing through. Boat right through. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, so Rose goes down. She has to break his, mm-hmm. uh, literally break his chains with an axe. And she does it. She doesn't get off his hands. So good job, Rose. And then they are just running, uh-huh. trying to get up out of the ship. And they get locked yeah, that, behind. The last part of the film is very much just sort of the the thrills part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they finally, they do, Cal and Leo put mm-hmm. Rose on a boat. Cal has paid for passage, which is wild because he, yeah, he tucks right. some money into, uh, he's, I think, the first, first, I don't know. He's one of the guys in charge of putting people on the boats. And he's like, do we have an understanding? And the guy never answers him. And Cal, but Cal thinks that he has a a space on the boat. So he's not worried, too worried about it. He, um, he puts, he and Leo, (laughs) Jack, uh, put Rose on a boat. He's like, he says, you know, I, I have a, I have passage. I know. And we'll, we'll be there together. Is the first officer. He was a historical person. Yeah. Um, so he's like, and, um, and then as soon as Rose starts getting lowered, Cal says, you're a good liar. And he goes, yeah, almost as good as you. And like, cause he knows there's no place for him on this boat. And then he confirms that. And Cal's like, yeah, no, you can go fuck yourself. And, uh, Rose doesn't hear that, but kind of knows what's up. She reads the expression on his face as she's lowering. Yeah. And she jumps out of the boat onto the second level. Like they're, they're lowered down enough. She jumps out. And then, um, and at this point, I noticed at first in when he's handcuffed to the pipe mm-hmm. and um, they're talking, he says her name so damn much. It, he's just, like every third word is Rose. I'm just like, nobody talks to actual people like this. This is crazy. Um, and he finds her and he hugs her and he's kissing her and he's like, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, which is very funny to me. And then... But that's the kind of thing that makes the film... Excuse me. That's the kind of thing that makes this film feel genuine. Yes, for sure. And there's a lot of... I I can imagine that the shooting of these scenes, you're flooding these sets and wrecking them, Yeah, it must have been exhausting and you must have been... On really good terms, and they would have to be on very good terms with each other. Yeah, from what I understand, which very good they friends. definitely are. Yeah, they work um, together again right. years later. So, but the idea that you're on these sets that are half or entirely flooded with water, yeah, and the water level's rising, and you are trying, you know, I can't imagine that they have more than maybe. And she's basically in a nightgown, so right. she, it, she's just waterlogged. And can't move freely. Right. I can't imagine that you have neoprene or something underneath to keep nope. you warm. She certainly didn't. Um, uh, he probably did. Uh, Jack probably did. Right. Caprio probably but did. But the the idea that you're you're doing these 
scenes over and over again. Yeah. You must build up a great kind of comradeship or dependency. And these people, I mean, my God, watching these scenes, it was, and this is something that Cameron had previously gotten in problems with when he was doing The Abyss. Yeah. Which is to put the actual actors so they could see their faces while he's yeah. flooding sets and doing things yeah. like that. And it was definitely freezing. The water is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. this ice blue color. And I'm just like, I want to know if that's colored, like if it's it's intentionally that way, right. or that's what cold water looks like. I don't know. I'm go. okay never knowing, but like... I'm curious about that too, but I think that it might have also been a, a safety issue. They need to be able to see the bottom of the set. Yeah, fair enough. It has to be clear right. to an extent. And I think that far out, mm-hmm. may, and maybe on a clear night, right. water is that clear. Like, we see it close to the, to the shore, right, where it's being churned up by right, the ground. At the same time, you know, when we go to a, and a, boats a and all beach, sorts of... It's like salt are fairly transparent for the yeah, first For the first little while, at yards, least, yeah. Right. Um, we should... Okay, so as soon as Rose jumps off that lifeboat, mm-hmm. Cal loses his goddamn mind, takes the gun off of his valet, and starts running through the ship, firing this weapon, trying to hit... I don't know, Jack, maybe? I don't know who he's even shooting at. Both of them? He's just Mm. totally... I'm like, they're gonna die. The ship is going down. Why do you need to be the one to do it? You fucking idiot. He doesn't hit them. I think he doesn't he's need, still under the all. impression that he's going to escape somehow. Oh, yeah, he and still thinks his, he's got a space. He's excuse to run wild and do whatever he can. Yeah, whatever but this is why wills. Jack and Rose go back down underneath, like, mm-hmm. into the bowels of the ship right. and get stuck down there behind these gates where they have locked the poor people because they know they don't have enough fucking lifeboats. Right. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh... And then we see play out. They get out. They beg some. They're like, we're people. You have to let us out. And somebody um, does come. They drop the keys, but Jack is able to find the keys mm-hmm. and they're able to get out. Um, and they go up to the to the top. Now, at this point, people are panicking. Uh, lifeboats are like being dropped mm-hmm. they, like and cracking open like it's not good the situation is not good at that point cal tries to take up like get his money's worth and get on a boat and the dude that he paid off throws his money in his face and it's like i'm about to die right. my money your money isn't worth shit to me and it's not worth shit to you at this point like you can't your money ain't gonna do it, fuck face. <laughs> and um and I was like, Yeah, I don't understand. like the fact that he even had the thought, hey, I'm gonna pay this guy off, money doesn't mean shit to this man. Right. If you could let him say goodbye to his family, he might let you on a boat. But beyond that, the captain, material anything is not the does not matter. And also the engineer are the first two people who really seem to Grasp the gravity of the situation. Yeah, they give the the they want the captain to get on a lifeboat, and he's, he's like, no, no. This is, and it's it's the very old law of the sea, something that you captain goes down with the ship, right? And so he's aware of the fact that when they tell him this news, he's going to have to go down with this because there's not enough there's not enough resources. Yeah, to he kn- yeah, yeah, they know. Meanwhile, Victor Garber also, right? They're he's both like being lowered into the sea with as little as twelve people in a boat that's made yeah, for sixty. Made for 60 yeah. And so, 
And you're like, what? And when he confronts them mm-hmm. about that, they're like, uh, mm. Right. <laughs> like, it's, and it's not even like there aren't people clamoring to get on these boats. Right. It's not like that I looked around and I couldn't find anybody. Like, the, right. the, like if all that are around then are men, put them on the fucking boat. Like, right. 12 women and children versus 60 people that had all the women and, women and children available seems fine. Like, right. I have to say that in these scenes, too, that some of the wealthy and rich and entitled actually go out pretty gangster. Yeah. They really do. Astor sits, he says, you know, right. we're ready to, to go like gentlemen. Um, and, and he said, but I would like a brandy. So he <laughs> sits, he's he's like, I'm in my finest. He dresses up, he puts a top hat on, and he sits right. in the, the basically the ballroom where the beautiful dome is on mm-hmm. to, ab- above him. Um, and just right. And does. so does, uh, so does the band. The, uh, yes, the, the, the string quartet. Right. Who really go out really well. Who, yeah. Who, um, they start playing. They, they, it starts mm-hmm. with play something upbeat. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going to cry. Because <laughs> that's the part that makes me cry is them. I'm like, Rose could have fucking scooted over so Jack didn't die. So I don't even want to, like, discuss that. But, um, this band, they play upbeat, they play upbeat. And then, um, they say, you know, they, they're like, Last call. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to these boats, even though they don't know if there's even space for them at this right. time. He's the that lead violinist is like, it's been a pleasure playing with you, the the pleasure of my life, mm-hmm. I think, playing with you. Um, and then they, then he, that three of them walk away, and he just starts playing, like he just starts right. playing, and he plays. Um, Near my God, to thee. Yeah, very famous. And then they all come back and play mm-hmm. with him. Which they did on the boat. Like, yeah. So while that song is playing, I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing it now. I'm like tearing up right now. Um, yeah. Because here's the thing. Those right. are the people I care about. Right. Jack and Rose are fake, fake and made up. Are they? I mean, I don't know. Well, here's the interesting thing. I so, was told, like, the movie right. depicts them as being fake and One made up. One of the interesting so. details that came about this film was investigating the passenger list, right. not because they were looking for anything. Right. And a graveyard where the Titanic survivors were buried, and yeah. there was a Jay Dawson there. Oh, interesting. James Cameron claims that he had no idea there was when he wrote this movie. This was just a name he I picked I believe that. Year. It's a pretty, I mean, it's right. not an uncommon name. It's right. not like my name or your name. Right. Like, it's Jack Dawson, how many of them in right. the world? And Jay doesn't a... necessarily mean Jack, right. but that is, that is cool. Um, and I... I really hope he didn't know beforehand, because if he did, he better pay some people. Right. No, no, he didn't. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> so that was just sort of one of the uh, weird, almost ghostly elements of the story. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe there was a Jack Dawson. Yeah. So the two of them realize that they're not getting on boats. And... <coughs> it's Jack and Rose. And, yeah, Jack and Rose. And um, at this point, we also see Cal... He has ignored a little girl who's crying behind like a, mm-hmm. a I don't know what it is. She's behind like a big piece of um, machinery, and he ignores her. Then he tries to get on a boat. They're like still doing women and children, women and children. And he goes back and scoops her up, and he's like, "This is I'm all that I'm she all has. she has in the world, please." Mm-hmm. And he gets on the boat, and I'm just like, "What a fucking asshole!" But I'm unsurprised. Right. Uh, 
And this is also, yeah, so this is when Rose and Jack realize we're not getting off. And he's like, we need to get as far to the end of the mm-hmm. boat because the boat has started like the front of it oh, about is badly. in the water right. no, it's, it's underwater tipping. the entirety yeah. of it and so at that point yes it starts yes. tipping and so they run up to where they met and where, he says that where they met yes where she was going to jump off and um that's when we see the the boat going up and we see it from her mom and molly brown are sitting in a lifeboat and i don't remember what kathy bates says but it's like it's something like you didn't see, you don't see that every day or like right. um and and we're seeing it's it, it freaks me out so bad we're seeing the whole back of the ship lift up right to nearly vertical nearly vertical it gets to a probably maybe a 50 60 degree angle mm-hmm. at which point the structure of the ship can't take it. Right. And very quickly, I was, that was the thing that surprised me very quickly. It breaks in half. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was going to take maybe five minutes for right. it to sort of separate. It happens. No, well, the, in yes. less than a minute. This is several hundred tons. I know. So I, oh, <laughs> but thousand like tons, thousands. I yeah. Probably thousands. Um, and so it, once it, the, the strain works against the integrity of whatever's holding the ship yeah. together. And so it just snaps. It snaps. And the and the whole front of the ship mm-hmm. goes into the sea. And, the and then the end. back half starts right. tilting back again up. And something the that I've never way. seen covered in films usually about ship sinking is I it's, I liked disaster movies when I was a kid, I don't know why. Um you don't hear a lot about the suction when the ship goes yeah. down. I, yeah, I, for whatever that. reason, I was aware of that the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. the suction's going to be a fucking right. problem. Um, they had at least... Um, we also, at at this point, and it, it didn't even occur to me, mm-hmm. there are still lights on. And then you see them down in the um, the engine room, and mm-hmm. someone gets electrocuted. And at that point, the, right. and we see it from the the lifeboats. The ship just goes dark. Right. And it's and then it's and then the whole thing goes up and then yeah once the front breaks off then the back basically does the same again right. it goes up um, to pretty much entirely vertical and then sinks straight down and they are at the top they stand up at the top mm-hmm. and Jack is like you have to we're gonna take a breath at the last possible moment you're gonna hold your breath and you're gonna kick towards the surface as hard as you can and don't fucking stop. Um, and she does. They do. But she bobs back up and she's calling for him. Mm-hmm. And she finds him because right. this isn't where he dies. And um, they find some flotsam. They they swim away from sort of the the uh, the mass of people mm-hmm. who are screaming. They have like a lot of them have life preservers on, right. but it's. Well, the boat really freezing yes, in this freezing water. water, so the life preserver will keep you long enough. It'll keep you above. Yes, exactly. Um, and she gets up on it's a door, I think, mm-hmm. and he tries to get on, um, but it like flips on them. And I was like, "All you have to do is lean on this side, while he leans on this side, and you guys can I work." Think, yeah, I think that like, in the logic could've... of the film, the concern is that in doing that, they'll both sink, or that. He's really trying to preserve her. Uh, that's what's happening. Right. But I'm like, yeah, 
I know, that's a subject for debate that goes on and on. He could have. Anyways, he's telling her she has to go on, she has Mm. to live, she's going to have babies, and she's going to be happy, and this, that, and the other. And he's in the water, they're holding hands, and she's like, I'll never let go, I'll never let go. And then she basically passes out. She, She goes to sleep. And then we see the sailors mm-hmm. who are manning the lifeboats and they've tied themselves together and, and there's is, a right. ton of extra space and finally finally and i don't know how long it is mm-hmm. it's at least 30 minutes and it may be even longer than that um before they one of them just like we have to go back right. move That's everybody the into that boat we're taking two right. of these boats and we're going to go back we have to find people it's the same first officer that's right and he, they go back and it's like that fucking scene from the lord of the rings there's there's just frozen bodies right. it, I was just you, bobbing it reminded lord of the rings the, the swamp yeah the, that came to mind the tunnel scene from the stand yeah. also came to mind it's just like this is what a mass casualty area looks like yeah and yeah. it's, it's and really he's like, we waited yeah. too long, but he won't give up. He's like, no, we're gonna look for if there's anybody out here, we're gonna we're gonna find them. And their calls and their lights wake Rose up, mm-hmm. and she tries to wake Jack up, and That's she can't. Right. And then she's like, there's a minute where she's like, well, fuck it, like I, this is how I die, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do anything. And then he, she, I guess, remembers what he said to her, and she, he's like, okay, she's like, I have to. I have to try. Mm. And she lets go of him and he goes down into the water and then she can't yell. She's frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she's trying to say, wait, come back, wait. And she like, she's like, she can't do it. Right. So she fucking jumps into that water and goes to someone who's floating next to her, near her who is a dead man with a whistle around his neck and she just starts blowing the whistle. And they go back and they pick her up. Uh, and then, um, at that point we see her, we don't see her boarding the Carpathia. Um, you showed me a clip, a, clip, right. a cut scene, two minutes, which absolutely you're right. Should have been in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, of her being pulled aboard the Carpathia. The sun is fully out at this point. So we're talking about 6am maybe, mm-hmm. um, after, after being in the, in the, uh, lifeboat for that long we find out she says 12 12 people were pulled from the water mm. 12 people were pulled from the water um and uh she has a blanket over her head and what we see in the cut of the movie is cal looking around for her and she just hides so he can't see her and he watch, she watches him walk away in this set, in this scene, her mom is looking for her, and she mm-hmm. also hides from her because we know that her mom was on the. She's with Molly, so we know that yeah. she lives. Because um, she, and then when they come around to get her name, she gives it as Rose Dawson. So she's that's why she doesn't match the roles, right? Um, and how she, and she could just disappear. Sometimes I long. For any time before like 1960, where you could just pack your shit, say your name was different, move six towns over, and have a whole new life. And that's what she did. And she's got Cal's overcoat on because he was trying to be chivalrous as Mm. he was putting her in the boat. And showing up Leo because he doesn't have a coat to give her. 
which is gross. And she reaches her hand into the pocket. And of course, the heart of the ocean is in there. Mm. Um, so she's had it the whole time, you guys. <laughs> then in the present, we, we come back to the frame narrative. Right. And she says that Cal committed suicide after losing the money, money in 1929, which right. feels right about right. And then at this point, we, we see Paxton just basically being like, I can't keep looking for this thing. Like, not because, I guess, not because I don't want the money or whatever, but like, he says, I think, to the, the granddaughter, you know, I've been, I thought of nothing but the t- Titanic for three years, but I never, like, got it. Like, which is frankly a little like, are you a sociopath? <laughs> Because, like, to hear how many people died and how horrific it was, right. um, just the numbers. Like, you don't need me to tell you a story about how it was mm. fucking terrible. How do you not already know that, right. dude? Um, but that's the thing. He's like, I can't. I I have to leave it alone. It should be treated with reverence and respect instead of treated like uh, X marks the spot. Like, right. stop it. Um, and then, of course, we see that night Gloria Stewart gets up and walks the barefoot, yeah, yeah barefoot to the um, stern of the ship and pulls out the necklace. And that's when we see the flashback mm. to her finding it in Cal's pocket. Mm. Of course, knowing like, she had already known that he that Leo hadn't right. stolen it or Jack hadn't stolen it. And when she, he comes, she comes to him in the the brig, the the made up brig where he's handcuffed. He she he says, "How did you figure out? I didn't steal it, or when mm-hmm. did you figure out?" And she goes, "I just realized I already knew." Like right. she takes the beautiful necklace and bloop, drops it into the ocean. And the implication is she then dies in her sleep. Right. right? She goes to bed and she's having a dream where she is Kate Winslet and uh, Jack is there, you know, with his tuxedo. To to lead her Along with all the others. Yes, uh, because we see that the rest of the people that we've come to have a relationship with this film. Victor Garber. Uh, right, but um, not only him, but Fabrizio. Yes, and he's Tommy, there. the Irish kid. The Irish kid, yeah, Tommy. He's both suffer a horrible day. Yes, yeah. Fabrizio, Fabrizio a, gets like a... crushed. Hope I think it was quick at the very right. least by one of the smokestacks coming right, down. falls on top of him. Good God. And I think Tommy was stuck behind... Did, or did he got he out? Shot. He got shot. That's right. He gets shot. He gets shot because they're trying to break the, the gate open mm-hmm. because they're being chained beneath decks while the ship is sinking. It's upsetting. It's horrible. And then that's... That's yeah. Titanic. We did it three and a half hours later. The second half of this movie is thrilling as hell. And it scares me deeply because I of my deep-seated fears. But I want to talk about some... I want to talk about Billionaires for just... Just a second. Just a second. It did not surprise me at all uh, when we found out that the submersible uh, had gone missing. As soon as I saw who it was and what it was, I was just like... Mm-hmm. Um, this is obscene hubris. These are rich people going to gawk at the grave of poor people because most of the people who went down on that boat were poor people as a lark using a knockoff Xbox controller. 
and thinking that was funny and good. Uh, billionaires are evil, and these people, other than the young man, the son of one of the... Um, Abby Suleiman. Ships, yeah. yeah. Um, he didn't want to go. He was scared. He thought it was a bad idea. Uh, but his dad, it was Father's Day, and his dad is a t- Titanic buff, which also, that's weird. Although, people like serial killers, I think it's a similar vibe. Um, so he's the only one I have any right any feeling about. There was There's a lot of, uh, their people have empathy. The only empathy I had was, it'd be a terrible way to die, to suffocate. Mm-hmm. And and know you're suffocating, know how much time you have, and be in this space with five other people and just slowly suffocate. That's a horrible way to right. die. And originally, I thought that's what happened if they just right. sort of died. There is the dark now in indication that there was a massive implosion, mm-hmm. which means they wouldn't even have been aware. Their brains wouldn't have moved fast enough to mm-hmm. understand what was happening to them. Right. They would have been sitting there one minute going down mm-hmm. and then the next minute they, they would right. just not have consciousness. And I hope that that's the case um, because it's the best possible outcome. It's, it's not torturous. But other than that, I don't have any... If you didn't look at this thing, look at its track record, which was fucking abysmal it had never made it i think it had never made it down it had never made it down to the depths of the titanic it was not made out of something that could go that deep um you know i'm not an engineer uh or like an earth scientist but i know that at those depths the pressure is literally unbelievable humans couldn't survive in there shit implodes it's too much (laughs) and if you didn't look at the situation on the dock and think, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. This is a terrible idea. You get what you fucking deserve. And if you spend a quarter of a million dollars to go gawk at a fucking gravesite, also you get what you deserve. Like, you could have housed a bunch of people. Like, yeah. I, I don't have any, I have no empathy that. for that. Um, so, I won't make the jokes. But I will say, you know, have a modicum of thought in your head before you do something that is so foolhardy, and foolhardy, disrespectful, disrespectful right. and generally dangerous. Yes. Like just a modicum of. But when you are that rich, you don't think anything can happen to you. It's like being very young sometimes. You don't yes. think anything can happen to you. Because you're so so separated the from the suffering it, and truth yeah, of other people. Um, I, I don't know. There's all sorts of theories about how long they were when they knew it was going to happen. Um, it's possible that they didn't. Well, yeah, The the what I read is uh, it fell into a free fall after 3,000 feet and just began dropping very quickly. Oh, shit. Okay. And then hit, what does it say here? Um, suggested the passengers would have been piled on top of each other in a terrifying total darkness throughout the fall, which would have lasted between 48 and 71 seconds before it just popped. Before it just popped. It like popped a like a balloon. Yeah. But not even like a balloon because it would have it would have been immense pressure from all sides right. and it, it would have been like bombs around the yeah, whole thing no way blowing in. in. In our terms, because we haven't seen something like that yeah. before, 
it's very hard to explain to people what an implosion looks like as, right. a, as opposed to an explosion that scatters right. things out. But so, so pretend instead of a bomb being inside of, mm -hmm. say, a pipe and blowing out, put all those bombs around the outside of this thing. Mm. They're going to blow out, but they're going to blow in too, yeah. and that is just going to destroy yeah. everything. Um, and it's because, and largely it's because what this thing was made out of, there are two types of strength that metals have. There's strength when you pull against it and strength when you push against it. And this particular metal, great on the pull, not great on the push. And, and the C is right. pushing it. And it's pushing it stronger than anything Yes, on yeah, Earth can rem or like above water right. can even remotely. There's a, a line in Jurassic Park that Jeff Goldblum says that where he's criticizing uh, the creators of the park for their lack of of humility in the face of nature. Yeah, and I think that this is another example of that. Yeah, for and sure. It's you really thought that somehow you were entitled to do this. Yeah, and that you were going to survive and nothing could happen nothing to you. Nothing could happen to you. This happens. And, and the fact that you don't even look mm -hmm. at the track record, because this thing has right. never made it. Right, exactly. Like, but your money says that it's gonna. It feels like Cal tucking cash into the into the right. first mate's pocket. Like, what? Um, yeah, so in summation, billionaires are evil. And think for like 15 seconds before you do something that could absolutely kill you if anything goes right. wrong. Uh, and if you don't, that's a Darwin Award situation. All right. You thought it was thrilling though, right? I, I did. And, and I'm really glad that I was directed again to, to, to pay more attention to this film. Because there are parts of it... Uh, it's beautiful to James look Cameron, at. Even the scary parts. James Cameron started as a special effects... Mm -hmm person who taught himself special effects and cinematography, those things. And he, along with Bill Paxton, who is one of his fellow graduates of the Roger Corman School of Filmmaking. Interesting. Um, yeah. He, uh, he really does handle the visual elements of it really well. And I think what works for him is putting together a cast of people who can handle the dramatic parts as well, too. And so, in this particular case, he really lucked out, because the chemistry between the two leads was just there, and you don't often get that. And so, yeah. Yeah. No, they're super good together. I right. want to make a quick... Apparently, the the one that said the, they were going to go down like gentlemen, the rich man that said right. that, was Guggenheim. Oh, okay. Uh, Benjamin Guggenheim. So, uh yeah, he sits out near the grand staircase and is swept away. We see him swept away. So you feel it was thrilling as well? I do. I I think this is a very good movie. Right. I think you've got to be... It, it's tricky because you've got to be in a headspace to say, okay, I want to watch three hours of something, mm -hmm. and I want that something to have a left-turn tonal shift right in the middle. Right. Like, it's... Like, we talked about Full Metal Jacket and yes. how it's basically two movies, right? Mm -hmm. And I always think of the second movie as being much shorter than the first movie, but they're really pretty equal. Both of those have very dour, 
um, sort of vibes. Now, the first one, for a lot of it, it seems funny or whatever, but it ends on a fucking heinous note, and then we switch to wartime, and it gets even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's bad from beginning. Like, shit's bad from beginning to end, right? Um, This movie is a beautiful epic romance at the beginning, Mm -hmm. And then one of the scariest disaster movies at the end. Mm-hmm. And you got to be on board for all of that. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's a big ask. Yeah. And it's... and I think the idea was we can market it to women and men, right. which is gross and dumb. <laughs> I, I think that overall the film, even in retrospect, now even after this third viewing of it, the even the framing device, what it does... There was another film on this subject from 1958, and I can remember. There's been several films on it, but I can remember was the the one that I saw all the time growing up that was remarked on for its accuracy. Mm. Because actual survivors, it was 1958, there were people who remembered the Titanic who were able to contribute to that film. Yeah. And so um, I think the framing device helps sort of set in... The it's, idea that for a gener- for fifty years past that, almost yeah. right, we're still obsessed with this right. and but, interested you know, in this. The, there are no survivors, effectively, right, or right. people whose memories can be trusted about it because it was a big traumatic experience. Yeah. So you you almost need the framing device to remind people this is going to happen, and it's hanging over your head the right. entire film. Right. Not just that; happens. it also gives it an immediacy. Right. Because if the whole thing was set in 1912, there's a little bit of separation right. between you and the events. Yeah. If Bill Paxton is there and they're videoing and it's a submersible and they're opening old things and talking, yeah. you know what I mean? You have this immediacy of, oh, this is like now. This is like now. This right, is like exactly. today. And I can link into that. It, it, it Especially also, if you're not, I, I, I would not have been, I mean, I would have been in steerage, right? Like right. I'm not going to be able to afford. Right. Any any time in my life, I will never be able to afford, you know, to be on the Titanic. And the fact that there's a Titanic two right now floating around, y'all, mm, y'all, a great idea. I need anybody to learn anything from anything. Like this right. is wild. But yeah, the, that kind of um, I think it works to also contrast how people felt in the very beginning of the film that this yes. was just something they could achieve right. in the very end. How respectfully they treat Rose yeah. because of what she'd been through. Right. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it's it, the film is really, really well done. And yeah. as, ma- as many issues as I can have, because I get very snarky about people like Lucas or Spielberg or yeah. James Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. It's at the, this film stands out from the kind of work they produced that yeah. we had to see on this thrills list because it really is, it, it has an emotional immediacy. Yeah. And it covers something that... Uh, it it has a, a female lead yeah. that you aren't always happy with. Yeah. She can be a bitch. Right. And and largely it is because she is between right. a rock and a hard place. She's squeezed into a position yeah. that she can't find yeah. a way out of. Yeah. And here's her way out. So yeah. she's going to run for it. And so we typically have the, that roles, those roles have been reversed in older films often. Uh-huh. The woman represents something mysterious and wonderful and takes this man away. No, no. Here it was something different. Yeah, he's the manic pixie dream boy. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, he exists only and to make she's, her a better you know, person. She also I, right. it helps. I think they don't really go into it very much. Mm-hmm. But the first time we see her, 
she's surrounded by art. Right. And the fact that he's an artist, right, yeah, exactly. very much draws her to him. And they're not, it's not explicit. That is well, maybe mean, the most subtle that James Cameron has ever been I, about relationship like about drawing. <laughs> little bit, bits of the film. Because yeah. I felt in the broad strokes, he is sort of just telling us a story we've heard before. However, in individual moments, mm-hmm. like there are, there are details he picks up mm-hmm. really well. Yeah. And that's one of them, is the fact that she has an eye for art and what really makes her appeal or what appeals to her about him. Yeah. In the beginning is his... Freedom. A lot of it is freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Because she doesn't have that at all. She's like a caged bird. Right, Right, exactly. um, I also like that, like he says he's going to teach her how to ride, Mm -hmm. but she has to ride... American style, none of that side saddle stuff, and right. she's like, "You mean I have to wear pants? Like my legs on both sides of the horse? Will you? Would right. you teach me?" And he says, "Yes." And then at the end, you know, mm-hmm. we see the photos laid out, and it's her doing all of the things, right. including being she's up on a horse. Yes, she's on a horse. Yeah. It's, it's all the things that she made the promise to him that she would do. She would so. do, and then she did, and then yeah. and she got married, and she had kids. Obviously, she's got this grandkid here, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so she yeah, made no, she made something of her life that really wasn't is just a, a remarkable movie. A I wife, mean, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Okay, so and I think it's in an okay place on the list too. Which right. we're getting to a point where I'm like, mm. some of these don't seem like thrillers, and then some of them are like these are different kinds of thrills. Thrills, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're gonna when we get to the end, we're gonna have a bunch to say on that, right. and maybe make our own little list. Substitute list. That's been looking forward to it. Uh, not a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. We're probably no, not gonna do a hundred no. of them. But I can think of a hundred, but no. but for next week mm-hmm. or next month rather, right? We've got a new batch, five for this time because that's how many Thursdays there are. You'll have one repeat. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to start with Double Indemnity from 1944 next week. Then we're going to watch Lawrence of Arabia, another long one, I believe. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, I'm, that's one I've and not I'm seen. I'm glad that our TV is this big. Okay. Because it's a, it's like Ben-Hur. It's one of those films that okay. really has a sweep to it. Is David Lean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, then it's going to be Taxi Driver, which we watched in a previous series. So mm-hmm. we're going to rerun that episode. We'll talk about it and how it fits into the the general situation in this list, which, yeah, I, I have some thoughts, so we'll get into it. That's going to be followed by Clockwork Orange. <laughs> I am. This movie gave me nightmares the first time I saw it, and mm-hmm. I have to say, basically, I've effectively not seen it because I've blocked it entirely from my memory. Right. I'm not looking forward to this movie. I'm very scared of it. Yes. I hope that at this age, I will be less scared of it mm-hmm. um, because I did see it too fucking young. I think I was like 12. Oh, too young. Too young for this yeah. movie. So d- don't do that. And I am also glad that we don't have to watch Taxi Driver and A Clockwork Orange back to back because that is be, a rough double feature. You guys don't so. do that. I <laughs> want you guys to take care of yourselves. Please don't do that. Mental if you want to watch both of them, Great start with Taxi point. Driver now mm-hmm. and then in three weeks watch A Clockwork Orange. Please don't make that double feature. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much. And then we'll end up with actually what I think is kind of a nice sort of palate cleanser after that, which is High Noon, mm-hmm. which is an intense movie, is but it's movie, not, 
is a it's it, not a clockwork orange. It's very intense in a different way. It is. About, I like a movie that like right. is in real time, and yeah. this movie is in real time a lot. I like. I like. I like. Um, so that's going to be what we're doing in the mm. month of August. Right. Can you believe it's August already? Um, so we'll be doing that and double indemnity next week. It's a movie about insurance fraud, you guys. And it's at number 24 on the thrills list. Interesting. So that, that's for next week. Do you have anything you want to recommend I would like all? to recommend two older movies. Yay! Okay, one of them would be A Night to Remember. Okay, and that's the movie about the Titanic. Right, it was about Titanic, 1958. The other one would be another film, and I remember showing it to you once, and you liked it, um, The Last Voyage. I don't which remember. Is, uh, a film from 1960 with uh, Robert Stack and Dorothy Malone, George Sanders, and Woody Strode. Oh. And like the film Woody is Strode. about a ship sinking. And this Why is. Why do you show me things I'm afraid of? The Ile de France was an actual ship that was purchased by this production company, and they put the actors on the ship and sank it. And. Hey! <laughs> Hey, oh no. I don't think I did see this. I think it did because it began your admiration for Mr. Woody Strode, who is I mean, absolutely heroic in this movie. I will, okay. I might watch it again. I don't have any right. recollection and of it. Part of the film is is the nightmare of watching Dorothy Malone, who plays uh, Robert Stack's wife. They'd been paired together in several movies at this point. Why is it Woody Strode wearing a... I mean, I'm not complaining. Why isn't he wearing a shirt? He was below decks. <laughs> oh, it was hot as balls. And was so, he in the boiler room? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And the film is about, essentially, George Saunders is the captain of the ship, but the ship is going down, and again, it's an actual ship, so that's, it's very... That's deeply dangerous, right. you guys. And, and also, you have one shot right. when that's what you do. Like There's a... What happens during the course of the film is that Dorothy Malone's character gets trapped and pinned underneath, I believe, a girder, and he's running around the ship trying to get someone to free his wife. And people were, were cutting back and forth. And it's that thing of, I, I like, have to save myself, I can't well, save you. He's trying to save her. He's trying. Yeah, everyone's trying to get off the ship, yeah. trying to get on the, the lifeboats, and the only person he can find to save her is Woody Strode. Of also. course. But... Oh, yeah, that was a scary movie when I was a kid because she's in the room and then it springs a leak and it slowly starts filling with water. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. Which we see that, right. that basically that same thing happens right. to uh, Jack while yes. he's and um, I'm, I'm handcuffed. I'm wondering if that, I, I'm sure. I mean, probably. It has the, to be. The limited number of. There's no way James Cameron didn't watch movies. all of right. these movies before he made this one. Yeah, so that, and you get to see Woody Strode actually being nearly superhuman in his. Uh, his uh, I mean last minute right he's you, is he the one that was the like the atlas where, well, or was is, that he the the statue he in LA Spartacus yes yeah. he's one of the anatomically perfect figures of men and women that are stationed yeah. from the LA and stadium. you look at him and like just the stills mm -hmm. from that movie right and it's like um, I could just write all the names of the muscles next <laughs> right. to him. Like, it's wild. He's mm -hmm. zero percent body fat, and you just see right. this human physique in his, like, right. as pure form as possible. Hmm? Specimen. Yes. It's just yeah. wild. Um, 
And unless he's a good person, Judas Louise. It's a great part, and it was also, um, but it's a really suspenseful movie. It's 91 minutes long. Yes. That was the so audio half the, the length of this 91 one. minutes of the most intense suspense in motion picture history. I agree with that. I would recommend this for our list afterwards if we could. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because it's, it's just. I'll put it on the. I'm starting to make a list of things right. that I'm thinking about, so. Thumbs screw turning. It's, it's really intense. But also, it goes. Right. Oh, somebody spells voyage terribly. Awesome. Is there anything you would like to recommend? I would like to recommend the movie that I saw last night, but I don't. I didn't care for it. Um, so I'm going to recommend, I think I've recommended it before, but the second season just dropped. And by second season, I mean the first half of the second season. And that is The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Um, we are also in a time when uh, we're still in uh, WGA and SAG strike. SAG just joined the, mm-hmm. the WGA this week. But they have not called for a strike on streaming services, and explicitly they want you to keep the streaming services because if they get a bunch of people leaving them, then the then the streamers can say, see, it's so volatile, we can't promise you anything. Mm-hmm. So don't do that until SAG or the WGA, and they'll probably do it together, um, call for a boycott. Don't boycott your st- the, the, these uh, services. Because it is just going to work against them rather than for them, the people that we care about, and those are not the streamers themselves. Um, so The Lincoln Lawyer came back. It's a show I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based on a series of books, which I didn't realize I'd only seen the Michael, or no, the Matthew McConaughey movie, which I also liked. Uh, but this one has like Nev Campbell in it. He's got like a driver who's this very cool and has a really interesting storyline going on this season. He has two ex-wives. One of them's Nev Campbell. That's the mother of his daughter. The second ex-wife is his paralegal that he works with every day. And their relationship is really funny. She's about to get married to the their PI. Like mm-hmm. it's, but he's no, there's no jealousy there. It's really, um, they were really good. And then they weren't, and now they're good as friends. Like, right. <laughs> like so that's a really interesting relationship dynamic that I don't think you see very often. No, I don't. Uh, and I am like, well, but I know people who have that relationship mm. dynamic. I kind of live with two of them. Right. So to see that portrayed is very interesting. Um, and also, I don't know why when people, like, people don't want you to be friends with your ex. And I'm like... Well, if you're friends with your ex, that means they don't think you're an asshole, which means you might not be an asshole. So that seems like a good thing. Uh, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, but so the Lincoln Lawyer, the, they dropped five episodes. And then the other by the time this airs, the the next five will be next week. Okay. So you can get caught up. The first season is 10 episodes. This is five. And then they're going to release the back half of the season as the second five. And that'll be 20 episodes. Um, and they're like 45 minutes long, mm-hmm. like a standard TV show. I don't know why they do that on Netflix. You're never going to put commercials in here. I don't, we don't mm-hmm. need to get to an hour, but that's how long they are. And that's my recommendation. Yeah. Next week, once again, Double Indemnity. The Thrills of Insurance Fraud and Murder. Murder. Well, the element you left out. <laughs> well, but it's named after the insurance fraud, right. so uh, that's what they want to put forward. Uh, in the meantime, if you have questions, comments, concerns, please email us. Feel free at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, searching for uh, Latecomers Podcast. Uh, we are still on Twitter. 
Mm. I don't have a Threads account yet. I don't really want one, but we may have to, so stay tuned for that. Uh, And I want to remind you to please take your medicine. We want to remind you it's better late than never. never.